Welcome to our Sunday morning segment of the Grace Chapel podcast. If you would like more information about Grace Chapel, visit their website, gracechapel.org.au. There you can find more materials in growing your identity in Christ. The other deal I had was just competition, you know, competing with people. Ever been like that? Where you see some people is better than you and you just feel inferior and you, you sort of, you know, don't feel like you can cut the cake or make the grade. And so you back off a bit and tend to crawl into your own corner or under a rock and stay there. It's, it's not what God wants. Yeah, God wants us to be secure in ourselves. And this morning, as a result of um, maybe some of the things that Janice said, uh, I, and we don't compare notes, but I'd like to talk about stature versus um, status. And opening, uh, opening this morning with Romans 8, of course, if, you, if you've read a, read a lot of um, Romans, it's, uh, it's very challenging, isn't it? One of the things that I read first was, um, you know, I'm the kind of man that I don't want to do things and yet I do them and the things that I want to do I can't do. But reading first here, Romans 8, 18 through to 21. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself is also to be delivered from the bondage of corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God. The verse I want to centre upon this morning, if we can as we go past here, is look upon the difference between a child and a son. God is looking for the revealing of the sons of God. The way I was thinking back then, if I can go back to that story where uh, I was with Janice and saying, well, I suppose it's now that you're a school teacher and I'm only a carpenter, that's not really what God's looking for, is it, <laughs> in a son? And I want to say too, you know, when I first got saved, I, was, I reckon it was great to be a child of God, but I've discovered that as we go along, there's a difference between being a child of God and a son of God. As you grow up in this, this thing, you grow in your stature, which is what I want to talk about today. Not just be content to be a person who's got a status. Let's also look at Ephesians 4, can we? Just before we go into this. Ephesians chapter 4. In verses 11 through to 15 we'll read, centering upon the verse 13. Starting with 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. You've heard this before, haven't you, this verse? Quite familiar with it? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. And we had an opportunity this morning when, um, I'm not going to say too much, but we intended to bring Gabby here. Things didn't go so good. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe it's a simple case of growing up. Maybe it's mental illness. Maybe it's a lot of things. You know? And um, we're here with a bit of a challenge ahead of us as we get home in, in that, in allowing her to and encouraging her to grow in herself. Smith Wigglesworth said, when the Word and the Spirit come together, we will see what we've never seen before. When the Word and the Spirit comes together, we will see what we have never seen before. Eye has not seen, can anybody finish it? Nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man those things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's right. So we're on the edge of something really good. And that's what Janice was leading us in communion all about. Now that we're in this part of the covenant, we have access to God. Not just one person anymore, but any of us. It's a whosoever gospel. And I myself, as I started off in my Christian walk, I thought to myself, you know, I was who I was. And then I read about all these great saints of God. But in the Old Testament, God was working with one person. In the New Testament, God worked with anybody. And that's the great thing about Christianity for me. Let's look at two people today. Mainly, I want to look at Elijah. I want to look at Moses. And I want to look at this thing about stature. In 1 Kings 17, this is where we first hear about Elijah. Amazing how we never heard much about him before that, did we? We know all about him, but we didn't hear about him. In 1 Kings 17, verses 1 to 5, And Elisha the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no Jew nor rain these years except by my word. Are you familiar with this story? He walks into the courts of Ahab and he makes an announcement. There won't be any rain till I say so. Is that a good paraphrase? <laughs> yes. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. It will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded ravens to feed you there. There's a lot of things that could be said about this, but um, I want to say this and we just paint the picture. He walks in, nobody knows who he is. What would be the response of the king, I wonder? If you were the king, if I was the king, I'd say, get this lunatic out of here. Is that a good paraphrase? Usher him out. <laughs> you know, maybe it would be to the point in, in anywhere else where he would have lost something like his head. Who knows? For coming into a king's place like that. But you know, he couldn't do that 
unless he had stature, because we know the rest of the stories, don't we? The rest of the story goes that the rain actually stopped and it didn't happen again. And he went from there, as we started reading, he went by the the brook Cherith and he was fed, wasn't he, by the ravens that were there. And verse 5 goes on to say, So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the book Cherith, which flows into Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And if that had been me, I would have been saying to myself, What was that all about? <laughs> would you think that? I went into the courts of, I'm putting myself in his shoes now, I went into the courts of Ahab, I announced the fact that there's no rain. What do I do now? <coughs> Anybody know how long the rain stopped for? Three and a half years. Three, three ideas. What did he do for three years? What would he be thinking over those three year time? Would he be thinking to himself, wow, maybe I missed this? <laughs> no? But the thing about stature is, it's not where you are in the natural, it's where you are in the spirit that's really important. It's not where you are in the natural, it's where you are in the spirit. He could not have accomplished that if he was just in the natural, could he? If he was relying on status, and he didn't have any status anyway as far as the Bible is concerned, because we didn't hear anything about him. Status usually is accompanied with... In my mind, what kind of car you drive? What kind of house you live in? What kind of holidays you take? You know, have you got a nice caravan? Have you know, is your life in order? That sort of stuff. Elijah came from where? Where did he come from? We don't really know, do we? Somebody said to us once, and this was very helpful for me because I used to compare myself to people. Did you ever do that? Do you ever say to yourself, wow, look at that man, where am I? I remember Ken Chant got up once at a, a leaders meeting that we had, Gippsland Pastors, and he had just been in America and he'd come back and, and he was telling us all about it. He went into Oral Roberts' office and he looked at the size of Oral Roberts' desk <laughs> and he thought, I've been in ministry as long as him. And he thought to himself, what have I accomplished? Look at what this man's accomplished. I sat there thinking, hmm, not the only one with the same problem as me. (laughs) It can happen to us. Elijah came from nowhere and then suddenly he's on centre stage. And then what? He disappears by the brook, being fed by the ravens. Where are you people? You're in a place called Archie's Creek, one thaggy. I'm in a place called Yarram. Who knows us? I don't know. But God is going to work through you and God is going to raise you up the same sort of way as what he is doing, what he has done with Elijah, what he is doing with a lot of people today. We're in a position where we are. I don't know if you remember when we were in New Zealand only a few weeks ago, there was a big deal at the Herald Sun, second was it the first page or the second page, Janice, can you remember? And that article about what's happening in sale. In a church? Yes, remember that one? That's right, peace on the front, and then page 22, centre spread. You know what's happening in the National Party today? 
They are dead scared, the National Party in Victoria. They are dead scared that they are going to get infiltrated and overrun. At the moment, there's only 12 Christians in there making an influence. 12 people upsetting the National Party in Victoria. And they come from Sale. <coughs> Sale's a big place. <laughs> you know? That's only 12 people. We've been told that if we double that, we can influence a national party in Australia, not just Victoria, if we double the amount of people who are in that party. Am I saying you should all go into politics? No, my point is it doesn't take a lot of people who are inflowing in one direction to make a difference. We've been wanting a change in our nation, haven't we? We're reading about someone here in Bible days and I'm trying to link the two together, that it's possible to do that in modern day times and you don't have to be a big high flyer. All you have to have is a little bit of stature. Don't worry about status. And when you, when you read an article like what we've read, everybody now in Australia knows about this church in sale, about what it's doing and the influence it's going to have because what they did was they read through all the messages that have come out of sale and they were quoting his messages. One of the things that came up in the paper was it, the criticism was flaky leadership in our government. Hmm, have we noticed any of that? <laughs> and there it is in print. I used to say to myself, God, when things get in print in the paper, I'll know we're making some headway. It's not me, but I'm just using an illustration. And I'm thankful that this man has stood up and his church and we are going to join in with that once I unload a couple of things so that I'm not quite so busy. You know, God is preparing us. He can prepare you. We are nobody special. That'll be our message from the time we are ever stopped talking here. We are nobody special. God can use you. Don't think that you know God uses these high flyers. Most times the high flyers themselves get in the road of what God wants to do. <clears throat> it's been said more than once, he who kneels before God can stand before anybody. What do you think? He who kneels before God you have the ability then, that individual, to stand before anybody. We may not think that at first, but as stature rises in our very selves, then we find ourselves drawing from the spirit realm and, uh, and then we go forward. We need to ask ourselves this question though. Am I a person who is in the spirit or I am a person who only operates in the natural. Could Elijah, let's go back to that story, could Elijah accomplish the things that he was doing even at that time if he was just operating in the natural? The answer is no, he couldn't. No, he couldn't. He wasn't someone who could make it rain. Isabel used to think I could. Isabel's Janice's mum. When she was lying in the hospital and she looked outside and it was raining again, she would say to the doctors and nurses, that Peter, that son-in-law of mine, he's got a revelation on rain coming and he's probably praying again. And often she, would, often she would say to me, would you stop praying? We've had plenty. I said, Isabel, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know? 
I don't have some special insight here. I'm just an ordinary person. Elijah had no status, but look where stature got him. It was God in him, working through him. And you know, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know that we carry a light, don't you? And you know that that light is required more than ever out in our communities, out in our state, out in our nation. And the light that you carry has the answer. The same light that Elijah carried had the answer for his nation. Who was Ahab's wife? Jezebel, wasn't she? They had a problem with the leadership. And down the track, as we look not very far from here, we see the story of Elijah reviving the widow's son. And that story mixed in with it was the, the little loaf of bread. And she's, that widow said, "If um, Elijah, if you want something to eat, this is all I have. Couldn't be done the natural again. Because as she went home and she followed the instructions of Elijah, she baked him what is referred to here as a cake, and then she baked some bread for herself, and then it just never seemed to run out. She didn't die after all, did she? Can't do that in the natural can you? And then we had the prophets of Baal, you know, or Baal, depending on how it's said, and all the things that he did with that one. And he brought fire out of the sky, didn't he? I don't see that happening much in the natural. No, at his command. But the Bible says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And what happened after that, which is part of the story I won't understand for a long time, that when those prophets of Baal were all taken away and he'd operated in the, in the spirit and his stature was the way it was, he ran, didn't he? And he had this idea in his head that he was the only one left and all that went with it. Let me take you to Second Kings, sorry, Second Peter, if you've got your Bibles there, Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 11. I won't go there. I'll just, I'll just read this out. God will provide an entrance for you and you will come into a place in yourself. God will provide an entrance for you. Um, years ago, we were prophesied over and uh, it was like, I think it was um, Bill White who's recently passed on, Pastor Bill. And he said, I see you at this time. You are travelling down a very narrow canal. But at some stage in the future, you will open out to a, a lake and it will get wider and wider to the place that you will go. Another man put it like this. When you're being prepared to go up on the stage, you're not on the stage, but the preparations are going on. And when the time is right, you will be taken up on the stage. I'm not talking about myself now, I'm talking about you. Okay? You will be taken up on the stage and the lights will come on and suddenly you will be in the spotlight. And then it will be you. It's your choice. You are open to God or are you not? The same way it was my choice. I often look at um, you know, Jono here on the drums and my position in Lean Gather was to sit behind the drums. I would have been happy to stay there. My thoughts were, you know, we lived in Foster at the time. 
I was happy to be a person who just played the drums. I didn't play very well then. I didn't get through the first song with my first Sunday. I was that bad. I lost beat. The lady who was beside us, um, Anna Marie Ippel, said like this. In other words, don't play any more for this song, Peter, will you? Try again next time. And so I did. The next song that came up, I tried and I lost beat with it. I looked across at Janice and she stopped playing too because she'd lost her way on the organ. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we've come from. <laughs> that's where we've come from, wherever we are now. That's where we've come from. But God is at work building stature in us. If it's an encouragement to you, God can build stature in you too. He can. And he'll provide that entrance for you. It says in 1 Kings 18, the next uh, chapter, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. Who was sending the rain? God, that's right. Ahab was the mouthpiece, is that right? So Elijah, verse 2, went and presented himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Wonder why? <laughs> Maybe it had something to do with the rain. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Let's skip down, just for the sake of time, because you can read through this and you're probably quite familiar with it. Verse 8. And he Elijah <coughs> sorry, and he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. Do you think he said it with confidence or do you think he said it like a little mouse? I think he said it with confidence. Look at how his stature had changed in three years. Elijah was a person who came from nowhere. Suddenly he is in a place where he realizes that God is working through him, with him. We get to the stage there where chapter 17, there's no rain. He revives the widow's son. You've got the prophets of Baal. And here in chapter 18, the drought is about to end. It's not about how smart you are. I want you to know that as you sit here. It's nothing to do with how clever you are, how smart you are. The best thing you can do, though, is realise that if God is for you, who can complete it? Who can be against you? That's right. Once we get a revelation on this, that will change the way we conduct ourselves wherever we go. I remember being at a youth meeting and um, Pastor Russ Hooper walked across the stage and Pastor Russ said, you can look like this. And of course he was, how tall was he? <laughs> And he was, <laughs> he said, you can look like that or you can look like this. Never forgot it. He said, make it look like you're going somewhere. I thought, Peter, make it look like you're going somewhere. <laughs> you know, I never did laps in a car. Not yet. Not once. You know how the lap dogs go round the streets and they go up and down and round about and you see them come again and you think, gee, that's, that's a fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, never did that. I was always going somewhere. Even on my push bike, when I was going to work, I was always going from A to B. I always had a reason to go somewhere. And that's what God wants with you too. God wants you to have a reason for doing things. 
God wants to speak into you and uh, God wants you to be a person who's not taking these great strides and looks like you just lost your way. God wants you to be going somewhere in life and doing something and being a purposeful person. And I haven't done a lap yet. I'm still like that. Every time I popped in my car, I've always had somewhere. I'm going to work. One, one lady said one night when I was late home, she said, maybe Peter's dropped off at the pub. And she said, no, Dana said, he'll just be late home from work. That's all. Because she knows what I'm like. That's the way I am. Perry, can I ask, and I've forgotten this, can I ask you to bring up a clip at the end of this, please? I'm going to see and test Perry with this one. Made in Manhattan is the film. And uh, Servant, something about Servant and We Are Not the Servants. It was a little speech of about 1 minute 50. Just see how you go with that. We've got plenty of time. Okay, he got it already. Joking. Oh, good. <clears throat> Let's go look at Moses. Can we? <laughs> the reason I laugh about that is because the first time I did a text on a phone, which was not that long ago, it took me to a morning tea time. <laughs> no wonder Janice used to make fun of me. I'm a bit better now. Thank goodness for that. Stature will enable you to do things in life that operating as just status only will not. Acts 7. And we're looking at verses 22 to 23. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God he was brought up in his father's house for three months. And when he was sent out, or set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in the words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Before we go into this, if I could ask you, was he operating out of stature or was he operating out of status? You see what I mean? Brought up in the courts of Pharaoh, He'd been learned as far as being an Egyptian and learned. He's a prince of Egypt. And that was a possible help for him as he took the children of Israel out into the wilderness. But bear in mind, that was only supposed to be for 11 days, not 40 years. But God worked through him and all that learnedness maybe came in and was helpful. But then as we look through this, it says that God took him out of Egypt after that incident, which was after 40 years, he went out into the desert. And why did you think he did that? Because God was getting rid of all that Egypt out of him. God couldn't use his status. Because as a prince of Egypt, it was not what God wanted for him. And eventually he came to the burning bush. You know the story, don't you? Yes came to the burning bush and the first reaction, obviously a lot of that had gone by then because the first reaction was, God, you can't want me. 
What about Aaron? He's good at talking. I'm not the one who's good at, at relating. Moses had got through being out in that, had, in that wilderness area, he had got to the stage where he had uh, a down pat to say, don't send me. But the things that happened in Moses' life was he had, he had eventually, after all that, he came back to Egypt, he had crossed the Red Sea, is that right? He had a situation where he had called with the Korah rebellion. He said, you come over here, all of you who are with me, all of you with Korah, you stay over there. When the ground opened up, what is he operating out of? Stature or the other? He's operating out of stature, isn't he? Who opened the ground up? Yeah, that's right. You remember the saying that I had with Smith-Wigglesworth? And I, I'll just quote it again. When the word and the spirit comes together, we will see what we've never seen before. These sorts of things can happen not only in the life of Moses, but in our own life. <clears throat> he tried to murder the Egyptian. That didn't work. But when he came to the burning bush, suddenly he found himself in a place where things were different. The other things that he accomplished, water from rock, hitting it with a stick, stature. Wasn't supposed to hit it the second time in anger like that. He was, he was supposed to operate where he spoke to the rock. Again, how do you get water out of a rock if you're only operating on non-stature? Huh? Doesn't matter how many cars you've got. Doesn't matter how, many, how big your bank balance is. You know, doesn't matter how many how flash hollows you go on. You're not going to get water out of rock by talking to it if you're just going to operate out of status, are you? It's just not going to happen. But he operated out of stature. God working through him. And he was in that place where he understood. What about training Joshua, his successor? Moses went through all that. And as imperfect as he was, he operated as stature. But let's see what happens here. In Joshua 1.5, the words are, As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. That's right. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. How much was he with Joshua? They crossed the Jordan, didn't they? In full flood. Amazing how God always does things, so there's no doubt. Why doesn't he do it when there's a drought and make it easy? Because maybe someone can come along and explain it away. Who knows? Then straight after that, they go towards... Jericho, and he accomplished overthrowing Jericho. Could he have done that out of <coughs> stature or could he have done that out of status? Once again, it wouldn't have mattered how much he was worth, how big his bank balance was. You're not going to bring down the walls of Jericho by shouting at them unless you've got God working through you. Is that right? And, and we can sing songs like, you know, Fred had us let in that song this morning, you know, you'll not no way be burned. You'll not no way be drowned. That's right. For I am with you. That's a great song. It's easy to sing. But I mean, when you're in that position, you're very different. Is that right? 
Like we were in a much lesser place just recently, six months ago with our church. And that was why I prayed that both of us prayed that flash prayer. God, in case you don't know, we haven't got anywhere to go in three weeks. (laughs) And that was nothing compared to what we're talking about here. But what God has been doing in in our church and in our people and the things that have happened since then, I don't believe it, but I can get up here and tell you it's happened that we're about to go into something where it's debt-free. I've told you the story. I don't need to keep going. God is somehow working through the faith that we had and um, it is, it is getting, getting us results. So Joshua crosses the Jordan in full flood. He conquers Jericho. Daniel shuts the mouths of lions. You think the lions have any respect for status? <laughs> you know? Not a trick question. Okay. Joseph, second in charge, straight out of jail. Now, can you do that with status? Like, let's get the criminals up here. They can be second in charge. It doesn't happen, does it? There was something at work in this man's life and it was recognised and it was God. And he tells us all the way through Joseph's life. He said, I, me, etc. But when he got before Pharaoh, he says, it is God who will interpret your dream. And here it is, I am merely the mouthpiece. And God worked through him. The man who spends time on his knees before God can stand before anybody. And it's very true. It's very true. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. I've told you about the 12 members of the, um, the church in Sale influencing the National Party. This can be done in our nation. It can be done in our state. It's only a case of putting our hands up. If you go first in with fear and trembling, you're the same as me because that's how I am. I've told you the stories of what it was like when I was first in Yarram, but I know that there is a form of stature that has risen in me from the time that I was first there to the time of now, and it can enable me to do things. A son of God learns to serve. A son of God learns about stature, but a son of God learns to serve. Ever heard of Brother Andrew, the man who used to take Bibles into those countries where you're not supposed to? And he would do all sorts of things. I think he had a VW and he used to hide in places and used to pray for guards that they wouldn't see them and he would drive through checkpoints when he shouldn't have, etc., etc., he was giving a, a speech one day. They had hired him or paid him to come in as a speaker. But he decided that he would help everybody off the bus. So all these students were coming in and um, he was the man at the bottom of the steps. And he was carrying, apparently he carried everybody's suitcase that day. And they all thought, oh, well, here's the servant. He's only a little short bloke. Here's the servant. They got the shock of their life when they introduced the speaker and he walked up on stage, (laughs) you know, and tall, short, whatever, a man of stature. Is that right? You know about him. And if you didn't know about him before, you know about him now because I've jogged your memory. Mr. Genor, did that come through? Did any of you watch that video that I, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago? Mr. Genor was a man in Sydney. And he was a a person who was a sailor. 
Um, he lived a very bad life, very ungodly. Got saved, cutting a long story short, lived in George Street in Sydney, and he decided that when God spoke to him, his ministry was to go out on the street and say, excuse me, um, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? That was it. That was all he said. He did that for 40 years. He didn't get one encouragement. And as an old man, he had a person come to him. I can't remember all the details. You have to look it up yourself. Were you able to get that at some stage, Perry, do you think? Mr. Genor. We don't have to play that today, but just to share it with people. Runs for about seven or eight minutes. And he had a cup of tea that he served this man to. And uh, he, this man told him all the people over the 40 years that he had brushed and, and came into contact with and told him what Mr. Ginnell had actually achieved. He died two weeks later. He was a man with no status as far as the world was concerned. But as he entered heaven, would he have had stature? Yes. The difference that it makes. What about, as we draw this to a close, what about we think of the Queen? Queen Elizabeth over here, I was looking at the picture of her before. Queen Elizabeth, is, it's said that she understands being a person of stature, but she also understands being a person who serves. You know, she feeds her dogs every day she's home. She makes sure that she's the one to feed her dogs. She doesn't delegate the task to someone else possibly because she likes to feed her dogs. But she does that. Do you know that she's got a box seat at the church she attends? Her church, not the church that you know she has to go to and all these cameras on her or what have you. She quietly goes to church at around one minute past the starting time. They hear her pull up in a Series 2 Land Rover, not a Range Rover. She walks in quietly and she never sits in her box seat but for one time a year. She sits somewhere else. She just sits there and she attends. And yet, such a woman of stature. She was um, talking to a comedian one night and uh, the comedian says, Your Majesty, do you like soccer? She said, Oh, well, in her terms, I can take it or leave it. She said, this man said, are you likely to attend the finals that are on this coming week? She said, I don't know. He said, if you're not attending the finals, could I have your ticket? <laughs> she said, there are some things I'm not allowed to decide. <laughs> you know where she'd be sitting, don't you? In this thing called the box seat. Is that right? She was in a gift shop one day and apparently just browsing for a gift and here she is, just as ordinary as in the country and a lady comes up to her and said if, if you don't mind me saying so, saying so you look very much like the Queen. <laughs> she turned around and she said, interesting. She turned around and said, interesting. <clears throat> That's very assuring and walked off. That's all she said. And yet, a woman of stature like she is. She's learnt some things, hasn't she? 
Before her coronation, she's in Buckingham Palace. She's learning all about what she has to do. She says to one of the servants, um, do, do you mind if I borrow the crown and put it on and just sort of get used to it? I've been told it's reasonably heavy. It weighs something between five and seven kilos. The butler comes up to her and says, Your Majesty, you don't have to borrow the crown. It's yours. <laughs> it's a revelation to her at that stage. She's grown into her stature, hasn't she? And it's got nothing to do with her status. She had a sheet ground for a... Um, she had invited him to come and have lunch with him at Belmoral. After lunch, and he had his interpreter with him, I think I've told you this story, but it's worth telling you again. She said to the sheik through the interpreter, would you like to look around the estate? And he said, yes, that'd be great. So they go outside and they hop in this old Land Rover that's there. I don't know why she's got this old Land Rover, maybe because she's the one who can fix it, you know? <laughs> which she's been known to do on her overseas travels. When some of these people have got no idea how to operate a machine, are flooding it, she gets under the bonnet, and she says, what you've got to do is this and this. And she gets a screwdriver and what have you because her dad taught her how to fix and fully pull down a Land Rover and put it back together again. To much their surprise, it starts. So here they are, different story. Got the sheik in the back, interpreter in the front, she's driving. The sheik tries to say through the interpreter, in our country, women aren't allowed to drive. <laughs> she's... She increases speed, they're knocking scrub down either side of the mirrors and it says, and it looked like she didn't take the slightest bit of notice. <laughs> this sheik in the back's going berserk, thinking, ah, well, <laughs> that's going to happen here. So I want to leave you with this thought. Are you a child or are you a son? Do you seek stature or do you seek status? Are you a person who is going to reveal to the world what a son of God is like or are you just going to be a child of God and that's never going to manifest? You've got to call upon the spirit in your life to build that stature in you and just the same as Elijah, just the same as how do you go with that clip? Perry, made in Manhattan. One minute, please, and we'll have it on, thanks. <clears throat> just the same as Elijah, just the same as Moses. You know, learning how to operate out of stature and, and not status. This clip I really like. Uh, the reason I like it is because it brings out being a servant. And I've touched on some of it today, haven't I? Being able to serve and still have a stature that's here. Um, if you could, don't mind running it now, let's see how you went, Perry. Hopefully it's the right one. Um, made in Manhattan was a film. It's a secular film. It's all about how a maid gets um, herself, she's interested in by a politician. Um, yeah, that's the one. Can we go back to the start of it? And, and she gets into hot water, and she's never done it before. But she is a maid and she is a servant and her head servant is here to educate her. Appreciate your skills back there.
Uh, Janice can do this sort of stuff and takes a little bit longer than Perry. <laughs> we don't want to pump him up too much. <clears throat> and I can't do it at all. <laughs> well, I have tried with uh, some success. Not as much success as I'd like. So here she is at the moment. She's just had the sack. They've um, found out that she has um, done things that she shouldn't do as a maid. And uh, eventually... Do you want me to come back to it, Perry? That's quite all right. I'm going to tell you about King George. Oh, Karen, I didn't pick up my hat. But anyway, the Australian flag. Up there on the Australian flag, the, um, the red cross stands for St George. <coughs> That's a New Zealand one. Oh, well, we'll go, to, go to the Union Jack, okay? Up the back, all right. Are we familiar with the Australian flag and the Union Jack? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that one or this one, they're both the same. The Red Cross is uh, St George. St George was an evangelist. St George was a man of stature. But at this stage, where this particular story happened, he was a man who had very little status. Because he was a Christian, they were out to just strip him of everything. And he was one of the last ones that this happened to. All the other Christians had really lost their place already. He was brought before, I can't think of the man's name, but he was an important person in the Roman um, Empire. And uh, he had a wife. And he couldn't see him for a while because, uh, like everybody, he was busy. And so St George got to sit with his wife. St George said to his wife, Whenever you're ready, Perry, tell me to stop. Nothing happening. Keep going. <coughs> so his wife in, um, and St George are sitting there for 20 minutes. She spoke to him and she noticed that he was reading something and he was reading out of the scriptures. He told her all about Jesus. She got saved. He was worth nothing as far as his... Um, I keep forgetting that word, status. As far as his status was concerned, he was no longer the leader in the army. He no longer had any finance behind him. He was no longer worth anything. But stature-wise, he was an evangelist. And he got her saved. She made a commitment. And it wasn't long before the husband came in and found out what was going on. What happened to her was they bundled him off <laughs> to exile and she went too. All her life, she went to, from that point forward, she went into exile. She never, ever changed her confession of faith. St George, in 20 minutes, did such a job on that governor's wife that she became a Christian, she stayed that way, and she stayed in exile for the rest of her days. I mean, the flag has some great symbolism, hasn't it? St Patrick. How are you going there, Perry? I can keep talking if you like. St. Patrick. They say that he was Irish, but he was English. Was he not? Yes. And he was taken to Ireland because he got pinched or he got stolen as a kid. And he managed as he was over there and then he made his way back. Only to find God said, I want you to go back to Ireland. I want to teach you, teach these people through you about the, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, how to... Dad up. Uh, and he said, Oh God, really? I just got out of there. <laughs> but he went and he was obedient and he stayed there and he became the saint that he is today. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and that's just two people. 
Isn't the third one St. Andrew? And St. Andrew was the one that we read about in the Bible. We go right back to that. And that was the... Um, I should know more about St. Andrew because, of course, that's Scottish, isn't it? The blue flag and the white cross. How are we going there, Perry? <laughs> Can't do it? That's okay. I will quote it then. I'll quote the story that we can maybe put it up later. They walk away from that place where you can see the little cubicle and they get given their, that both those servants get given their, um, their goods and shackles. And as she walks away, she's very upset. She's just lost her job. Lionel, this is Marissa, the servant, the maid. Lionel, the head servant, arrives and he collects his goods and shackles. She says, have you got the sack also? He said, yes, but I came to a place where I should have come to myself that it was time for me to quit. And so they're both walking away. He says to her, he says to her, Marissa, <coughs> you are a servant and you serve people, but you only serve them because they are people with money. Once you realise that you are not their servant as much, you are not their doormat, then you will make a wonderful manager because those people with money are paying you. But to serve is something very, very different. And then he goes on to say, I have had the privilege of working with you and I know that you are going to learn a lot from this experience because of um, what you have, have learned. And we will look at that later when Perry can put it up. The thing I wanted to bring out from that film is there's very much a difference to serving voluntary and knowing where you are, knowing what you are, and knowing that if you're in a position of serving people, yes, they are people who have money. Yes, you have to serve them, but you have to do it with intelligence and you have to do it with dignity. Is dignity another word that could go hand in hand with status? It is, isn't it? You keep your dignity. Who was Elijah? Elijah was an unknown. But as Elijah continued on, Elijah would have risen in stature because he wasn't the same sort of person at the end as what he was at the start. And Moses. Moses was a person who rose in stature. Joshua was a man who rose in stature. They served God. They served the people that they were with. And it says, to give us another clue on the stature that rose in Moses, it says that 94 times in the Bible, Moses obeyed God. Where does that leave us? We have a decision to make, don't we? No? And I'm as guilty as anybody. There's times that I have said, no God, I'm not doing that. Be a pastor, go to Yarram, forget it. <laughs> you know, do all that study. And then, of course, Pastor Chris here said, I think you should come. And um, I said, yeah, leave it as long as possible. I don't want to go to Archie's Creek and be responsible for that too. This was what well, my thinking was. Because at that stage, I didn't think I could. You've got someone here sitting in the congregation who has been the person who has pumped my tyres all the way through. In fact, we pump each other's tyres, don't we, Janice? <laughs> you know? we have, and, and if I can say this, 
we have both risen in stature from where we started because we started so low. But God is willing to work through us. God is willing to work through Karen. God has worked through your pastor here, Pastor Chris, and the things that he has done. I can still remember when he hadn't written a book. And I said, when are you going to write that book on faith? Do you remember me saying that to you, Chris? And I said, people need to hear this. And now he's talking about writing part two. (laughs) We're going to have him down soon to talk about the Commonwealth and the Crown. There's so much in this man. And yet we used to share times together driving down to Melbourne and he would, I think this needs to get out, this sort of stuff. This is not normal. Kenneth Copeland used to talk about common sense. This man has extraordinary, (laughs) that's not common. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray, can we? Father, we thank you for the things that you have laid before us. We know that creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. We call ourselves children, but we want to grow up into sons and daughters. We want to be people who receive from you and have you work through us. Just the same way as we looked at Elijah today, we've looked at Moses today, to a, we've touched on Daniel and we've touched on Joseph and what they did. Thank you for them. Thank you for the example that they are. Thank you for Joshua. Thank you for the way that you've worked in these men and the things that they accomplished. And it's not just the big things, it's the fact that they walked with you and you were willing to download into them. You brought them out of obscurity where they were nothing and you set them on that centre stage and then they became the, the spearheads. And God, in fear and trembling, we ask you to do your will in our lives. We would be willing to say, God, use us if it becomes a, a stage where we are thrust into the spotlight the same. God, we don't want to shirk from uh, your will and your desire in our life. But God, we want to have our own stories to tell and we want to be able to say, yes, like Moses, we will obey you and be willing to do it. Help us with the decision that we may not look inward, we may, we may not look at our status, but we may look at a stature that you can build into us and the change that you can make in us, the confidence that can come, just the same way as Elijah said, <coughs> Elijah is here. <laughs> he came and he announced. And may we, Lord, if we have to get to that stage, we know that when we kneel before you, we can stand before anybody. We pray for that confidence so that we can accomplish your will and bring your kingdom into this community where we are, any community where we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we finish today, I'd like to say to you, if you are going to make a decision to step up, have us pray with you. Let us take that step with you. Don't just make a decision and go home and you know think about it and do it yourself. You know, get someone to pray beside you and say, yeah, I, I commit to praying, keeping you in prayer. If you want to change the way that you are and you're not interested in or worried about the status, but you want to avail yourself more to God, join with someone and partner with them you know, and have them pray for you and support you in prayer. Please tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message from Grace Chapel. Bye for now.